Mag NUFC um, talking tune, a uh, new different type of show we're going to bring you to you tonight, and we've got just the right guest uh, to come on and do it. But uh, welcome everyone in the chat. Um, hope you are well. Do the good thing, housekeeping and all. Uh, make sure you click the like, and of course subscribe to the channel um, as we approach um, and push towards seven k subscribers. But first of all, uh, out of all of that, boys. Daz, Chris, how are we on this fantastic Wednesday evening? Great, grand, not not too bad at all, Pete. All good. Uh, we have a poll running as well. We have a poll running in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, who would you start at left back on uh, against Forest? So I've narrowed it down to two. I didn't include Shettington, the lads. Good stuff, Chris. And you've been on your travels last day or so. How are how are things? I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm currently sat in the the Millennium the Millennium Hotel in Stamford Bridge. So yeah, it's, it seems a bit weird looking at my window when I can see uh, well, I'm in Stamford Bridge. Um, so that's interesting. I'll say what else was uh, an interesting one when I was walking past the wall on the sides as I'm on my way to work this morning. Guess when Chelsea's next game is at Stamford Bridge? Oh, don't know. Our game. Is it, 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 it was going to say it is. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's advertised on the side. Yeah, it's like it's like nearly four weeks away. Um, so that that surprised me. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, the the advertisements on the side of the wall. Uh, so yeah, but yeah. Other than that, mate, I'm all good. All good. Um, looking forward to going back to Liverpool tomorrow. Not going to lie, but uh, but it's it's always nice to come down and see people in my team and stuff like that. But yeah, I am all good, mate. I'm really looking forward to the chat tonight uh, with the boys. Definitely. And look, I'm going to throw some questions at all of you boys on the panel uh, to see what your your um, your answers are to that. And people in the chat as well, get your answers in as well. And make sure you've clicked your opinion on the poll. But look, let's get them in. Uh, let's not... You need, you need a target, Pete. You need a target. You need a target you for likes. Targets, you're, you're the target. Um, man. Oh, let's go 300 likes. Let, let's go oh. 300 likes. Go on. Go on. Let's, yeah. let's try that. But yeah, you're right. You're right, Pete. Let's let's get the lads in. Uh, pick, pick one of the lads first. Who are you bringing in first? Oh, let's let's bring your, your Irish buddy along uh, first. Oh. Let's get him in. Let's bring in Tevin. And I'm lucky, lucky enough I didn't wear this top. And it would have clashed with the green screen anyway. But here's Tevin. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome, Welcome to the story, lads. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you, mate. How are you getting on? Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for um, giving us a platform to talk all things Irish mags and all all opinions that we want to bring. 
Definitely. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, and of course, um, returning again um, from True Faith, uh, Alex Hurst. Welcome, Alex. Evening, lads. Nice to see you. And you, Alex, and you. Looking forward to the chat as always. And finally, um, we've got the got the main man, we've got uh, Mr. Adam Pearson, Adam P, as people know him. Welcome back, uh, Adam. Hello, lads. It's good to be back in Loaded Mag. It's been quite a while now, actually. I think the last time I was on must be in preparation to the charity game last year. So oh, it's been yeah. a little while, uh, but it's good to be back. Appreciate it, lads. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to be talking about tonight. Ah, great stuff. And uh, look, it won't be long before you prep it again. <laughs> so we're going to need your help <laughs> in the next one. That's for sure. But um, look, really, really good to have you have you guys on. Thank you for taking the time to come and join us first and foremost. And look, um, there's a lot going on at Newcastle United. Lots of different talking points, various different things happening. And I've just kind of just put a few questions, um, some that have been talked about on socials and in general, some that are not. Um, and I just wanted to, I just thought, you know what, let, let, let's let's put these questions to the panel, including our uh, ourselves that are as loaded boys as well. Um, and, and people in the chat, feel free to, to get involved as well. And uh, the first one, nice, nice easy one uh, for everyone to, to go through. So um, look, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Tevin, with this one. Uh, and people, feel free uh, to chip in on your opinions on this. My question to you, sorry, Daz, just for a second. Uh, just how good can can Alexander Isak uh, be for Newcastle United? Oh. Tevin. Yeah, I think as good as he wants to be. I think it's just the injuries. You know, I think we haven't seen probably the full version of Isak. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about him kind of before joining Newcastle that his injury record, like he was barely injured. Now mm. with the way we play, obviously we're seeing a different kind of maybe style of Isaac because he's injured a lot, but when he's good, he's very good, you know? Like games, watching at St. James's Park, even goals, I was at the Liverpool game where he scored that fantastic, um, sorry, the Manchester City game where he scored the fantastic goal. And just the silky, the silkiness in terms of coming in and out, he reminds you of your young Henri, but really and truly, I still think we haven't seen the best version of him. I think any top side in the top six would take him. Do you know, I think Arsenal are probably screaming out for a player like him, but he's ours. But I think really and truly he can go on and kind of do fantastic things as long as his injury record starts to decrease. So I think, yeah, I think he can be, I think he can be a great, definitely for Newcastle United, but I think he can do really good stuff in his career, hopefully with us for the majority. Definitely. Uh, look, Alex, um, been a lot of talk about Alexander Isaac. Um, interest elsewhere after Darren Eels uh, came out with his his obviously his interview early in January. Um, are you worried about Alexander Isak leaving us at any point um, in the next couple of years? Yeah, massively because he's a kid who he's scoring one in two when he Castle United since he got here. He is you know he, he's doing that while injury prone. He's doing that while in a well. A struggling team realistically in the Premier League this season. Um so if you're if you're a, a top European club and you want guaranteed goals, where are you gonna look? You're gonna look for our teams that are outside the Champions League. You know, at the minute you've got kind of Ivan Tony and I probably or you know, let's see how the rest of the season goes, but probably Alexander Isak next season that that you can get because these lads want to play Champions League football. And it's one of the interesting things 
to me about the conversations that the minute Newcastle fans are having about what's a good season from here. Um, like we've just we've we've got to try and finish fifth because Alexander Isak needs to be playing the Champions League. And I'm not saying he'll leave if if we don't get into the Champions League, but there's a much higher chance of him leaving if there's no Champions League football because that's where he belongs. And he hardly he didn't play for us that much in the Champions League campaign as well. Another reason we've, we've gone out. So I am worried about him and Bruno in particular because. You're looking at like top Premier League and European clubs would have those guys in their starting 11s a lot of the time. And it's not sustainable to keep them out of those starting 11s if we're finishing ninth. Um, you know, maybe one season is okay. But yeah, he's, you know, I, I agree with uh, everything Tevin said there. Like it's, he's a, spe- he's a special talent. And uh, I just want, I, I want to selfishly watch him play for Newcastle United for like the last, the next 10 years. Um, I don't want him to be pulling on another jersey. So I don't really, you know, agree totally with the idea that the season's just a write-off. I don't think Alexander Isak will see the season as a write-off for a lot of those players. They're going to be wanting to finish in the top six at least. So everyone's going to kind of get behind that. I think what he's got 14, 14 goals this season. Um, it, sort of in all competitions, um, really, really kind of um, excelling, Adam. But yeah, he hasn't played a lot, a lot of football. He's missed quite a lot of games and still picked up that sort of total. Um, what, what, what would you say is a realistic target for Alexander Isak um, this season? We're, we're hoping, we're hoping his injury is not too serious. We, we can never tell with Eddie Howe. Um, it could be, it could be two days, it could be two months. We have no idea. But say he's back, it, you know around the Bournemouth game um, and he stays fit for the end of the season. What would you, how would you sort of assess his his goal total and and what should be a target for him in your opinion? Well, I think he's on, I think about 10 in the league now, maybe a little bit just over that. But uh, if he stays fit, you're probably expecting, I think, probably the 16, 17 mark, I think, realistic in how he sack players. But, Obviously, you want to try and have a high target there, 20 goals. Probably hits it, and that's not a question. But it's just been tricky, really, because it's not just whether Isak can stay fit, it's also whether Wilson can stay fit. Because if Wilson's not fit, then Isak's starting every single match. And that's the big problem this season, because it was at points he's playing three times in a week. And that's hence why I think Isak's probably an injury prone player. I think if we had two proper strikers and they were rotating constantly, I don't think Isak would probably get injured that much. So it's tricky. It is tricky to see how things go from here. Um, I would love to see the stats of when Isak and Wilson are actually both in the either on the start level on the bench. I would love to see Isak's stats because I, I bet you they're much better than you are when Isak's only there. There's no Wilson whatsoever on the bench or on the start level. I just we, we desperately think desperately need to get an hour strike when I think in the summer. Uh, it is also important. I think Alex made a good point actually about getting we're trying to get Champions League football, but I think even the Europa League, Conference League, if we get that, I think you'll still be fine enough. Um, I, I always feel like as well when clubs come in for our big players in the summer, I think the strike is probably the hardest to replace, whereas if Bruno was to be sought, you've still got Snarly there, not to mention this one, you can go out and buy an extra midfielder. I think it is much harder to replace a striker It's sex quality. I mean, who, who is out there, 60, 70, 80 million pounds you can bring in that is as good as this, if not better. I just... I can't think of any options at all. I honestly can't. His ability is incredible. So, uh, must keep a hold of him, I always say now. But uh, as for his target this season, sorry, uh, I think he'll get around 16, 17 if he gets back within the next couple of weeks or so. Yeah, boys, um, loaded lads, I'll come to you. Uh, Adam set, set the target in terms of league goals. 
16, 17. Um, is, is that a realistic target for you? Can you see it being higher, lower, um, based on whether he's fit or not? What, what, what are you going for, Daz? Yeah, it can be higher. I know this, and I'm monitoring the chat here as well. But yeah, people are worried about that this injury, and does he do we need to send him for the operation now rather than wait until the end of the season? Um, but yeah, he, he can get higher. Uh, just to answer the question that you had had Pete on, on screen there, uh, um, how how good can he be for for NUFC? He can be our our Thierry Henry. Uh, Tevin will know Thierry Henry, the fellow with the big hand, uh, who, who he's known <laughs> as in Ireland. Uh, but um, yeah, no, he he can he can be uh, that guy for us. Uh, he is absolutely unbelievable. And, and like Alex says, I, I want to see him uh, at Newcastle for the rest of his career. Let's say. Uh, but uh, um, yep, that's it. And he's a me. Sad question for for you, Tevin and Daz. Um, are you ever going to forgive Thierry Henry? No, never. Ah, sure. Look, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we won't forget, though, as Daz is kind of alluding to. Um, no. Forgive. We don't know. We just might might not mention. <laughs> hey, and I can't believe they didn't go for John Delaney's suggestion of adding another team in, into the World Cup. That was a brilliant suggestion. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, lad. If only for VAR, eh? If only for VAR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd have been at the World Cup. All downhill yeah. after that for Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. Oh, well, downhill when Glenn Whelan left star and stopped playing. (laughs) (laughs) But, Chris, um, Adam made a really good point uh, earlier uh, with regards to Isaac. Who else is there um, sort of as good as him in in, in Europe right now? Obviously, the, the talk has been... Erling Haaland, of course, because of his goals record. He's he's just an absolute machine. But but who who who, if anybody, would would you trade him for or um, Haaland aside? Um, in, in your opinion, see, it's that's a difficult question, Pete. I was laughing when you started asking me because uh, me me and my mates in the, in my WhatsApp group who are all Reds and Blues. They all keep telling me that Callum Wilson's better than Alexander Isak, and they tell me that Ollie Watkins is better than Alexander Isak and Tony and Dominic Calvert Lewin, which I think they're winding me up over to be fair. <laughs> but um no, I mean thinking thinking across Europe, I, I struggle to think of a player who I would swap for Alexander Isak. Like for me, I just think I think Tevin hit the nail on the head, you know, when he said he can be whatever he wants to be. It's just these injuries. And I think if 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 he can stay off that treatment table and you know stay fit, and you know the squad with our injuries, players coming back from injuries, you know it's it's going to be huge for him. And when we make more decisions in the summer, which hopefully we will, he's only going to get bigger and better. And Alex rightly alluded to the fact that you know in the next 12, 18 months, we could all get a little bit panicky over the fact that other clubs are going to start to look at you know arguably the best league in the world and start to think, oh, who could we have in our team and I think a lot of eyes will be on Alexander Isak. And that, that's the only danger. The only thing I'm worried about at the minute. But right now, thinking about a player who I'd swap him for, I genuinely can't think of one. He's a great age, as we always talk about. Great age. Um, and he, he's, he's, well, you heard what I said to LB uh, the other week when, when we had uh, LB on, the Man City fan. Yeah. And I asked him, he didn't like the question, but I had to ask him, you know, that would do you think that Pep would swap Haaland for Isaac? Now, obviously, it was a little bit tongue in cheek when I asked him, but also, you know, we've we've spoken about this in detail in terms of goal scoring. Ailing Haaland's elite, like he's he's unbelievable, he's a monster. But in terms of an all round striker, 
I, I think Alexander Isak's got more to his game. I, mean, I really do. And the more and more we see from him and the more time that he spends on the pitch, I just think he's going to get better and better. Having having the, the accolades, I think someone in the chat said it and just reminded me of it. You know, the uh, the glowing endorsement that he got from uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of all people, saying that, you know, he's going to be better than me. I think that speaks for itself. You know, Zlatan doesn't uh, hand out compliments very often. So um, it, it get, hearing that from someone like him, only kind of proves how good Alexander Isak can be. So right now, Pete, I'm I'm not sure that I would swap him with anyone because I just think he's brilliant. Mm. No, uh, I would agree. I, I think he it, his skill set is very hard to replace. And you guys have talked about um, Thierry Henry uh, in, in likeness in terms of the way he plays. That is a very very unique set of skills that he is able to 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 sort of maximise. Um, I, w- I would set him on a target, in maybe in all competitions, of around 25 goals. I think that that is an achievable target for him this season, providing he comes back from injury quick and stays fit for the remainder of the season because he is an ice-cold killer in front of goal and you give him an opportunity and he'll put it away, as he's proven before. Um, what I do have a question mark against... Um, and I'll ask the question to any one of you and feel free to come back in and, and share your opinion on this. Do you think his continuous injury problems could be something that hampers um, the effectiveness of his career? Will it? Could it have an impact on on what we actually see from Alexander Izak in a, in a black and white shirt? Like Adam alluded to, it's, it's frustrating, but... He's having to play. If you look at his, his stats this season, I'm having a look about the minutes he's played. Now, the first two games of the season, uh, in fact, the first three games of the season, um, in fact, the first four, there we go, the first four, we didn't win any of them. He played with Wilson on the bench behind him. He played 68, 66, 72 and 74 minutes. So that was clearly Eddie Howe's plan. If you forget about how those games went, that's when Howe planned to take us first-choice striker off. Yeah. If you look at him since then, you know, even when he plays against Chelsea later in the season, we're 4-1 up on about, or 3-1 up on about 65. He plays 81 minutes, and there's a load of those games. He's either playing 90 or he's going off injured. So you're right, Pete. Like, that—that that, that is the fear. And maybe that will keep him at Newcastle. Maybe some teams will look at him and think, I'm not going to pay 80, 90 million quid for this lad because he can't put a full shift in. But I think, Adam, you hit the nail on the head before. Let's judge him when he's either got Callum Wilson on the bench pushing him or next season another striker. Let's not forget, Eddie Howe didn't want to sell Chris Wood, probably because he didn't think Chris Wood was a crucial part of his centre-forward plans, but he had a third striker. And he's gone a whole year now, and it'll be 18 months with no third striker. And pretty much since then, we've only had one or two, one of two fit strikers. So I definitely think circumstances have gone against Isakir rather than him being injury prone mate definitely um do any of you think that we need to time down to a contract in the summer do you think it's a necessity that we time down for a contract we've just all talked about you know the fear of losing him the fear of him going to another club maybe a bigger club uh, sniffing around him do we need to time down a little bit like we did with bruno last summer to a contract that extends it long enough where um the fee that a club would have to pay to get him out is too great. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Is, is that a necessity or is it something that we don't need to think about 
further on down the line. I don't know what his contract is right now. I'm just obviously... checking up. It's it's uh, June 2028 is when his uh, contract is. Okay. okay. So he's still got a sizable amount of time yeah. on his contract. But just maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I could be I could be wrong here, completely wrong. And people in the chat tell me um, your opinions as well. You know, could it be to tie him down to pay him more money? You know, to give him the wage that maybe reflects his his responsibility in the team. I don't know. What 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 do we think, Adam? I'll come to you on that. What what do you think about that? About the potential of a contract? Well, I think what always when players are playing well and they're having good performances, they will always try and get a little bit more money out of the club, whether that be an you know, agent side of thing or whatever. Which, I mean, Newcastle is smart. I think in the business point of view, um, yeah. ever since the takeover, I think most of our transfer activity has been good. I, I can't really fault the club for anything they've done. That's been massively wrong. I think Newcastle, for the most part, have got it correct. And a guy like Isak, as I just mentioned before, I think he's near impossible to replace for a club like us, realistically. So I think Newcastle will make it probably them, one of their main priorities to make sure he's locked down. If he needs to have a little bit put more upon his contract an extra year or you get like, more money, I think Newcastle will get it sorted out. So um, it's always interesting over the FFP because, um, again, Newcastle and the players sales do have to sell in order to be able to get a good amount of money to put into uh, the transfer window. So uh, I'm still a bit nervous over one of our top players going, but I think, at least for now, I think Alexander is like, well, we stay next season. But again, there's still plenty of time for anything, even like that, gets into the discussion. So um, it, it's important, Pete. I do agree with it, but for now, I think it's okay. Pete, right. just a, a bit of information uh, coming for from... Uh, Papermaster, uh, he says Isaac's contract. He's on 120k a week. Uh, well, if, if that's true, then he's on just 20k more than Matt Target. Not to say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. I, I still haven't recovered from the Chris Wood hundred grand a week <laughs> claim. That's just just absolute madness. Uh, and I refuse to believe that Matt Target is anywhere near that. Um, I think someone did, did actually come out and say that that's that's not the case, which uh, was music to my ears. Um, that is for sure. Uh, maybe he needs another move. Uh, maybe we maybe we need to set up that that connection with Forrest again, and maybe uh, ship him mm -hmm. off in the summer. Yeah. That might be part of the conversations next. But uh, look, um, we, 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 we've we've settled you in nicely uh, mm -hmm. for the first question. <sighs> Let's come in with the second one. Uh, right, lots of talk after Saturday. Lots of discussions, all about um, one man, this man. Dan. Uh, big Dan Burn, and obviously um, that moment there um, where um, he unfortunately gives away a penalty. And the question I've got, um, thank you, David Cook, for putting this in our comments earlier on today on the loading <laughs> account. Um, has Dan Burn uh, been made a scapegoat um, against Luton? Um, what are your thoughts about that one? Uh who wants to start there, boys? Uh, I'm I'm not going to come to anybody. Anyone want to take the mantle there? Um, uh, has Dan Byrne been made a scapegoat? Um, I need to make sure I edit that to make sure it's coming out correctly. There we go. Has Dan Byrne been made a scapegoat um, against Luton? I think I think it's mixed because obviously, like tactics has has a role to play with this as well. Um, I was at the game for the four four, but like. If the crowd see it, if everybody's seeing it, that he's getting paced by Ugg Benny, who's an Irish international, every single time he goes to the line, you have to change it. 
obviously for himself, you know, we know that he's not a natural left back. He's centre back. That Lewis Hall is sitting on the bench. God knows why. Tino sitting on the bench. God knows why. Obviously, Luton have the height, and that's why probably we played him. But you have to see it after three or four runs that we're getting torn to shreds. Miggy's not helping him, and he's not helping himself in terms of positioning. So, yes, he is making a scapegoat. He is being made a scapegoat, but I think it was clear to see that he probably should have been took taken off or even put to a five at the back a bit earlier. We've seen against Aston Villa where Eddie can see it, like Eddie does make changes, but I find it interesting to see, and we always kind of say in Ireland, horses for courses. Like, if you know you're up against fast wingers, I, Benny, I, not in Forest as well, when we're playing Morrison, Gibbs, White, etc., make a change because at the end of the day, we're going to see his flaws. Look at the way Liverpool play, look the way they play Trent. Trent gets bollocking, but at least Klopp knows when he's playing trap. He, know, he knows where to put him. He'd put him in midfield. He'd put him on the wide. He'd put him um, as a wingback, etc. Because he knows his strengths and he uses his strengths more than his weakness. Where sometimes Burn, okay, yeah, you can head a ball out um, when we have a corner and he heads, he heads the ball out. And yeah, he's big and tall. But from an attacking point of view, it's killing us. And we can't make the changes. We can say the changes, but surely Eddie can see the changes and make them. And that's that's the tactical coaching that we need in-game, you know? So, yes, he is making a... He's being made a scapegoat. Yes, he is defending poorly, but it's the manager at the end of the day that's putting him there, that's doing the tactics, etc. So, who... Where's the blame going? Is it solely on Dan Byrne? You know, is it the tactics, etc.? Because, by God, like, if Ogbeni's going past you, what happens if we're playing Chelsea away in a, in a few weeks, you know? And plus, we have Tino on the bench who did nothing wrong, and then Dan Byrne came back, and it was like, off you go, sit down, let Dan play, and yeah, so it's an interesting one, you know. Any of you boys got an, a, a different opinion or a different slant on that, or do you agree? Um, look, uh, Alex, I'll come to you. Yeah, Tevin, you make a good point there about it's not just about what's happening defensively, is it? Because even when Dan Byrne was part of a like record breaking defense last season, there were still fans on his back because everything just went down the right through Trippy and Almiron, and we had nothing on the left until later on in the season. How uh, put Joe Linton in front of Willock, then all of a sudden that side came alive. Now he doesn't have either of those players. So the thing about Burn is you lose, you lose a bit of attacking impetus or defensive solidity by playing with left back. But if you haven't got the defensive solidity, what have you got? Yeah. <laughs> As Devin, you said, you got a guy who can head the ball away in a set piece, maybe. <laughs> um, to, your original question is, is he being scapegoated? No, I don't think so. He's directly responsible for two goals in a Premier League game at home. That's, it's a lot of goals to be directly responsible for. And I don't actually mind him getting rinsed. You know, um, the lad who rinsed him does it to other fullbacks as well because of his pace. What I do mind is him pulling him back. He, he allows him to get past. He could make a tackle near the halfway line where it happens but he pulls him back at the worst possible moment let him let him go let let him score you know nearly all of Luton's goals um if you look at the you know the first one terrible terrible defending from a, a set piece the second one walking through the midfield awful midfield play particularly from long staff letting them get away and then the third and fourth are, are darn burn errors so it's fair play you know I'm user talked about it everyone's talked about it. fair play at Luton great well done lads Luton. you were fantastic don't think anyone denies that but God will made it easy for them. And I think Dan Byrne, if you you know, the 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 third one, like I said, it's the, it's not the getting rinsed, it's the decision to pull him back when he doesn't give away the penalty, which just makes it easy for Luton. 
and then he's he's trying to fix that and he gets forward when he shouldn't do and he, he's got the ball in midfield and then he passes directly to a Luton player and the ball's in the back 10 seconds later where he should be defending and we're caught in the counter-attack. So I don't think he's been made a scapegoat for that, for that result anyway. I think if you're going to be in a back four and directly contribute to two goals at a crucial time of the game, you deserve, you deserve the criticism. Adam, we've got to you. Um, what's your thoughts on, on Dan Byrne? Do you think he's been made a scapegoat? And who would you like to see starting against Forrest? No, I don't think we should start against Forrest. I think the collective amount of people, I think majority are going to say play Livermento. I think this is a question in general, who would you rather play? It's obviously dependent on fixtures, but I think most people are always going to probably put Livermento above a burn just due to how good Livermento is at his age now. No, I do actually like Dan Byrne quite a bit. Um, I think he's crucial in some of the games you play, and obviously he's, he's part of that back four that was so good last season. But in all honesty, um, it's just a mixture of so many different things. It's obviously, it's, you had to look at the tactics from Eddie Howe. You had to look at how the team was set up against Luton Town. You had to look at the fact that, as Alex said, uh, he's responsible for the third and fourth goal. It, there's so much that goes into just how, how Newcastle were against Luton Town. And obviously, the reality is we conceded four goals to... A team which, yes, it did score four goals against Brighton last week, but Brighton have been rubbish with all injuries this season. And Newcastle have conceded four at St James's Park to a Luton Town side. It's just, it is mental when you think about it. But uh, at least we've got a draw, that's what I will say now. But going into Forest, we've got to be much better, especially defensively. We can't allow uh, giveaway goals like that because we 100% dropped two points against them. Um, I, I don't think Dan Burns is a scapegoat. Uh, I don't think it is at all. I think he's obviously has to be responsible for the way he played at the same time. You also have to defend and go, well, you know, collectively as a squad, we had to deal with it. It's not just Dan Byrne isolated left, but you've got to deal with all the other players as well alongside him. But uh, in all honesty, I would play Livermento against Nottingham Forest. I'm hoping Newcastle get back on track. It's a disappointing game, of course, to be able to concede four goals of Luton. But uh, just drop Dan Byrne for now. and want to see him do well. He's one of our own. But yeah, it was a very bad game for me, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, sorry about that, boys. Um, I had to quickly drop out uh, for my little boy. But um, I'm not sure if anyone else has kind of had an, a, an, a, an opinion on that after Alex and, and Adam. But I'll, I'll let you, boys, loaded lads, uh, wail in on this conversation. We talked about it on a reaction show yeah. with regards to Dan Byrne. Um, is he the scapegoat? You know, is he responsible? Because I, I think um, we've had alternative opinions here on this. So what, what, what do you make of it all, um, Daz? Yeah, um, I was just going to answer Lisa's question. Yes, uh, Chris Wood is going to be missing, so that's one less less uh, worry after he scored a hat-trick against us in the, uh, the other game. But I, um, I was going to say, sorry, to, to enjoy, I never thought I'd be relieved to hear yeah, I know. Wood is yeah, unavailable I know. to I know. play against Newcastle United. Who would have thought, eh? Who would have thought? I know. And I remember I was gutted when he left left us. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, we, we we covered it in, in the reaction show. Look, there was there was there was Shar tracking back from one of the goals as well, or sorry, strolling back uh, was another example. It just just yeah. Look, but and we also pointed out in in a reaction show that that uh, the game or two before Burn was was man of the match. So, uh, but I would personally, I, I would be looking to start Tino. 
or dare I say it, Alex Murphy in there at, at left back if if uh, the choice was was, was mine. But um, and of course we would love to see what what uh, not Chris Hall, what Lewis Hall uh, can can do. We, we, we've been starved of of seeing what he can do, but he, he will come good. I I, I believe in, in the future. But uh, I would make a change personally, but I don't think Eddie will. I really don't. He's just going to double down and go go with Dan Burn again. Chris, you're nodding away. Are you in agreement? Are you in agreement? He's gonna stick uh, stick to his guns, anyhow, and um, and persist with uh, Dan Byrne. But obviously, of course, first and foremost, uh, you know how responsible was he uh, for that defeat? Uh, it sounds like it feels like a defeat. It wasn't. It was a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's still my mentality of that game on Saturday. That's how I'm feeling right now. Uh, but what do you, what do you think, mate? I I don't think Dan Byrne's. Um... I don't think Dan Burns a scapegoat. Uh, I think he's he's had a bad performance, and he, obviously you should take take that on the chin because ultimately the two moments cost us two big valuable goals. Um, so you know that comes with its own criticism. But what a, what a, the thing that gets me is we saw this from Kevin Trippier weeks ago, and we were all screaming for Kevin Trippier to be dropped because Kevin Trippier wasn't quite at it. Um, and we saw that you know he, he had a terrible game against Everton. Similarly with Tottenham uh, and Eddie Howe stuck by him. So to answer to answer that question, I do think Eddie Howe will stick by Dan Byrne, um, even though I do believe that Tino Livermento should be starting because in in recent weeks and months Tino Livermento has been one of our best defenders anyway. Um, I think yeah, I think he's very unlucky to be out of the starting eleven at the moment, if I'm honest, uh, because whenever he's plays, he's he's been really impressive. Uh, and he is the future. We all know he's the future. So for me, I, I would like to see Tino, um, you know, integrated into this squad, particularly, you know, with the the season coming towards the close. Um, you know, I, I want to see Tino Livermento in the start of 11 so that he can make a really good start in the 24-25 season. Um, in terms of who's to blame, it's it's hard to point the finger, but I do, I do believe that Eddie Howe should have made the change. Uh, I, you know... Alex mentioned before, if we can see it, if the if the average Joe Bloggs can see it, any all those fans can see it. And I'm shocked that Eddie Howe didn't make that change earlier. Um, because you know, ultimately I feel like that indecision, that not making the change quick enough, it not only did it put uh, Dan Byrne in the spotlight, but also it potentially cost us two points, which you mentioned before, Pete. You know, if that change was made earlier, would we have gone on to concede those goals and be ends up being four two down? I mean, we'll never we'll never know the answer to that, but I just I just I was baffled, you know, that Eddie Howe took so long to make that change. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we put it down to experience. Hopefully, Eddie's learned from it, and we're, you know, Eddie's learning on the job, and it's difficult at the top. And this this is where we are now, challenged, and this is where we want to be consistently. Um, so I, I'm trying not to. I've, now I've calmed down a little bit after it. I'm trying not to point the finger at anybody in particular. Um, but I, I, for me, at this moment, I'm certainly not pointing the finger at Dan Byrne because you'll remember last season, Pete, when we were doing our away days, when we were doing tactics boards, we used to always say, oh, you know, Dan Byrne's up against Saka, Dan Byrne's up against Anthony, Dan Byrne's up against Kulisevsky. And nine times out of ten, he proved us wrong yeah. and he, he he did well. So I think for us to kind of, you know, just uh, cast cast them aside would be, would be harsh, especially after one game because everyone's entitled to a bad game. Everyone can have a bad game. No, that's a, a more than fair point. Um, and like I said, we, we, we've had numerous discussions on this and we have chopped and changed over the last year um, through the position. But um, Alex, you, you raised the point in the chat 
uh, in our private chat that I thought was quite interesting. So I'll come back to you because you made a point just a second ago and said that we miss Matt Target. Um, and I kind of came back to you and I was like, oh, do you think so? But I don't know if you want to just explore that a little bit more and just maybe explain why you think we do miss Matt Target because a lot of fans would, would, would say something very different. Yeah, I think Eddie Howe misses him. It's it's an option, isn't it? And and the thing about Livermento, who I would start personally, but the thing the thing the thing about him is, if you put Livermento in, it goes badly. If he gets rinsed, if he gives away a penalty, yeah. and he's a young player and he's playing out of position, even though he did great there uh, when Boom was injured during in the season, I just feel like we'll sign Matt Target for fifteen million quid, and the amount of money you've speculated he was on earlier, it wouldn't surprise me because he just signed a new contract at Villa. When we signed them, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the top earners in the squad. And you know, he started last season in the team, and then Newcastle developed a way of playing with Burn in possession that they essentially play with three centre backs. And Matt Target doesn't fit that at all. He can't play like that. So his 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 opportunities were limited, kind of tactically as much as ability wise. But what with what Howe has had to do recently in the the number of games, I think Matt Target would have been. Would have got quite a few games for Newcastle. He, w- he would have played a lot when Byrne was out. Um, it, that might have pre- presented how with the chance to rest Trippier when he was going through the bad run because Tino was playing on the other side. I just think it, it, it's just another player that we don't really think about. That's a first first team squad player who Howe just hasn't had this season at all mm. to try and change things. And like I'd forgot. I've, a lot of people had forgot about him, and you know, I think he made seventeen appearances in the Premier League last season. A lot of them just off, you know, off the bench late on and stuff like that. So he's he hasn't played much, but you know, I, I just I just think again when when we look back at this season, it's just another player that how probably could have utilised, even if it was just for five or six games to give lads a breather to try something different tactically to provide a little bit more balance. You know, that left side when when. We'll concede those two goals in the second half. The left side is Burn, Miley Murphy. The left side that you were just talking about um, there is, you know, last season when when the performance against Saka, the performance against Anthony, those performances, it was Burn, Willock, Joe Linton, or Joe Linton, Willock. And I just feel sorry for Burn. I agree. We've all kind of come to the same conclusion. He, he has to take responsibility for his mistakes, and they are his mistakes. But. <laughs> I, I almost feel is he being is he being hard done by because should Longstaff be moved to that side because mm. Trippy is all right on the other side should Longstaff be the one protecting Dan Byrne? Miley had a look at the stats for Miley and, and we all love Miley and he's he, he, he's probably a generational talent on the ball but off the ball he, he looks like a seventeen year old kid mm. I think he commits an average of no point three fouls per game that's that's not a Premier League midfielder particularly when team lads are running past him like they do. He commits less than two file two, two tackles a game on average, and Longstaff until recently has been committing less than two tackles a game. They're not Premier League stats in in the midfield, you know. That so therefore the defence are having to deal with loads more because they're not getting protected in front of them. And maybe Burn needs a, a Longstaff in front of them to because yeah. Miley's right footed. Miley wants to play on the right, so Miley's playing out of position to accommodate Longstaff. And the easy thing to say is, well, Longstaff scored twice on Saturday, so I'd, I'd have to <laughs> say fair enough on that point, but. It does just feel a bit, and, and, and you know, some of the people in the chat have been saying it. Could Newcastle and could Howe be doing more to protect Burn than they are? Because he's kind of out there by himself, and I, and I don't know what you would do. Like with Murphy and Miley, who have both got their positives, 
you know, you smell blood if you loot in town, don't you? Without without left side. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because Chris, we, we've when we do when we do the tactics board for away days on the preview. We talk with this, toy with this every week, don't we? It's, mm-hmm. And to be fair, I, I ask you to pick your 11 first, so, and you toy with it more than anyone. It's always, you know, is Chris Mario is on the left? Mine yeah. yeah. on the left, Longstaff on the right. Like, it is, and it is a really, really difficult situation because because of that reason. Um, it's, it's I thought Alex's, Alex's stats were great there, you know, about the tackles. I didn't actually know that. And that that just shows, not that, not that we need to, the stats to realise that, but it backs up, mm. you know, what Alex is saying there, you know, in terms of how much we miss a Joe Linton. Because you see, you yeah. see we're in five minutes, Joe Linton's just crunching everyone, isn't he? And he's getting himself about the pitch. He's physical, he's strong, always trying to win back possession. And it, and it is funny now you've highlighted that, Alex, that, you know, you look at, you look at the previous games and it's all very tippy-tappy, very nice, isn't it? And yeah. they've obviously found in the way through the midfield quite easily. And we are missing that ball breaker, Pete, to use your words. We, we're missing that ball breaker. And if we had a number six right now in, in the centre of the park who's protecting that back four, it would probably release the likes of Bruno, the likes of Miley, the likes of Longstaff, who are not defensive-minded players. Um, so it just shows the imbalance of the midfield. Definitely. Um, look, we're, it's an interesting one that we do. I think we'll come back to in the next few uh, few weeks to see how that kind of unfolds in that in that midfield. But um, there's one other question that I wanted to ask you because I know there's lots of questions in the chat, mm. so I do want to prioritise them. But there's one. But I've got a few other questions. We can probably save them for another day. But um, I do want to come up to this one here. And, yeah, it's a controversial one. Um, And it's this one. Is Eddie Howe's job at risk if he does not achieve European football this season? Now, I'm not going to pinpoint anyone to start that conversation. Is there anyone that wants to take that task on? I've I've got my mindset on this. Um, we've talked about it before. Um, I don't know. I was doing a Rashford then, the celebration, but uh, um, <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. I've seen it for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> TV for a while if I start doing that all the time. But um, yeah, um, it's an interesting question. Is dividing opinion um, is Eddie Howe, um, certainly in the last three or four weeks? Who wants to take that task on? Is he at risk of his yeah. job if we don't get in anywhere in the top seven? I think he has enough credit in the bank, but I just think, and it's going back to kind of talk about Isaac, we have to match the expectations and aspirations of our players. So is his job under risk? No. But is the squad under risk of changing in terms of quality? Yes. So if we're finishing, I don't know, mid-table, 10th, 9th, 8th, obviously there's questions that can be asked, but just remember the likes of Tenali's not coming to Newcastle just, you know, to be mid-table. Bruno already is already flirting with the idea of kind of leaving. Joe Linton contract issues, etc. We don't want to go into next season with a worse side because, as you know, there's a difference between finishing Champions League and trying to get players than finishing mid-table and trying to get players. So, is he under threat? I think questions will be asked, but I think be, he has enough credit in the bank. But for us, long term, we just need to be careful that we don't slip into mid-table. We have a bad season and then we struggle to get players in. We don't want to go back when Chowdhury, we were trying to <laughs> get Chowdhury, the likes mm-hmm. of Ekatike, et cetera. But we need to be careful because the same way we went up, we can go straight down, you know, and it's not a guarantee given that we can put money on it again and we'd be fourth again. So 
I think for all of our sakes, so hopefully, and I like obviously I want Eddie Howe to say I would hate to see him leave, but things in terms of in-game management, not playing the people that you know that are guaranteed stars, etc. I think he needs to look at it because we need to be careful that we're not sliding to a position where that might affect us in the season, obviously next season, season after, etc. Because at the end of the day, we know it's a tough league. You know, we played we played Lou and it was four four. You know, so. Time weeks, months ago, when we we're playing these teams, I remember the first game last season we played not in Forest at home. I think it was the first game of the season we won two and ill. I think it was eighty percent possession, etc. Now we're drawn against four four against Luton, so you could already see changes where we're losing control. Fans are uh, fans are starting to kind of argue, etc. I think there was a point in the Luton game that everybody was chanting for Tino to come on. Which is, I thought, was disrespectful to Burn because at the end of the day, he's born true and true. And the fans shouldn't be really telling Eddie to put on a player where everybody can see it. But I'm just afraid in terms of the squad moving forward that, okay, we finished mid-table. Eddie has enough credit in the bank. But what does our squad look like? What does the aspirations of everybody look like to say, okay, I'll do another year with no Europe next season? Um, like, I don't know. So we just need to protect it. So, yes, I'm saying yes, credit in the bank. But... I'd be wary about us sliding into previous kind of mm-hmm. systems and yeah, performances. Yeah, Pete, but before before we go to Alex with this question, I just want to say that uh, ASM is back and he's trying he's trying to slide a- into I've Lisa's DMs by the look of the looks of this. This is not the first time. First uh, time. He wants to, he wants, to, he wants to take her over to Saudi, Chris. You need to have a word because. <laughs> <clears throat> He's gonna offer all the Helios money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a transfer fee is. That's what I'm wondering. Speaking about sliding into DMs or slide, trying to slide into someone else's job, there's always someone out with an eye out to always watch your back, Eddie. That'd be my advice for him. What? Sorry, over to you, Pete, again for another question. No, no, no. That that can be a little side question. Would the panel? Um, would the boys join us tonight take um, Jose Mourinho? But obviously, first of all, um, yeah, Alex, uh, and we'll come to uh, Adam as well, you, What your opinions on that particular question. Is his job at risk, Eddie Howes? Yeah, if, um, if they don't get into Europe, it would be an underperformance in terms of the resources at his disposal. Obviously, there's a huge caveat of the injuries. And, you know, what if... Isak and Wilson are both injured for the rest of the season. You know, what what then and, and what is he expected to produce? But I, I think the Spurs last season had Spurs didn't get in Europe, they finished eighth and they were rubbish. They were rubbish. Um, you know, they got the 60 points and it wasn't enough, but they were a really poor side. Um, and I think if you look at if we look at the teams we're battling, battling out with, Man U and West Ham, they're just not good sides. They're not, you know, they've got positives and they've got good players. But they're not good sides. A large parts of their fan bases don't like their manager, um, and you look at Brighton, who do like their manager, but they, they hardly seem to have won a game in months. They, they win these games sporadically, and then they go on these long winless runs at the minute. And yeah, all of those sides I've just mentioned have European football still to contend with for the rest of this season. Possibly not Man United. Actually, you got that one <laughs> wrong. But the West Ham and Brighton do. So with them having the extra fixtures. Um, with us having players coming back from injury and Joe Willock is just like so big for Newcastle like he's the forgotten man I think even with fans forget how good a footballer he is um, he's got to be looking at for minimum seventh you know I think we have a, 
we should as fans, and I think it was Kevin you said before, we have to match the expectations of our players. Fans should think the same. This, these are good players. These are good footballers. Eddie Howe's a good manager. Something's going wrong if this team's finishing eighth or ninth. Something's gone wrong, and I'm not saying he's going to get sacked, but if something's going wrong, it means, A, people like Tevin alluded to with the chance to Howe and Burn on Saturday for Tino, A, people will, will vocalise that within the stadium, and that draws more pressure on. And then if something's gone wrong, it means it puts a lot of pressure on the start of next season. And if that if you have a start of next season like you did at the start of this season, the club aren't going to want to back a manager with a load of money in the summer and think we might have to change this. Now, I don't think any of this will happen. This is just answering your hypothetical question. I think we're going to finish sixth. I think we could push higher to fifth. Maybe if, if players stay fit. We've got a lot of winnable home games. We don't have any hard teams to play at home apart from Spurs and they're not, you know, it's not the impossible job, is it? So I think we'll be fine. But if he finishes eighth or ninth, he'd be under a lot of pressure for his job. I hope your prediction's right, Alex. I really hope your prediction's right. <laughs> uh, but, but Adam, I'll come to you. Um, all the talk with Eddie Howe. Well, what, what have you made? Uh, what have you made of it over the last uh, three or four weeks? Some sections calling for his, uh, calling for his head, wanting him out uh, uh, when results haven't gone our way. Um, do you think that European football is the key to him keeping his job in the summer? Well, I think everyone's entitled to opinion. Newcastle fans, of course, when we lose a game, we're always going to be upset. We're always going to blame something. But I think if there's any Newcastle fans telling us now to sack Eddie Howe, I think it's fickle. I don't think we should ever sack Eddie Howe at this current stage. Um, now, I will defend Howe somewhat how this season, but you got to remember, Sandra Fnoy straight away picks up a, a one-year ban. That's something that's beyond his control. Had Champions League football for the first time this season under Eddie Howe. This is a manager and a group of players for the large part have never experienced European football before. They're not used to playing three times a week. I think we've seen that, especially in the Premier League games when we come back from the Champions League. You can just tell it's brand new territory for us. And I think this season, the ownership will be aware of that. They'll back Eddie Howe. Uh, if Newcastle don't do well this season, the lads made a good point. It still depends how this season goes. I think it will put a lot of pressure on the next year. But as long as Newcastle have a half-decent finish, we're expected to get past Blackburn. That's a one game off Wembley in the FA Cup, so we're able to potentially get back there. And I think Newcastle have definitely had somewhat of a disappointing season, but still a lot of positives to take out of it. Uh, Eddie Howe's fine until next season. I think it's next season onwards where if we have a similar situation again where there's loads of injuries next season without any European football, let's be negative for a second say we don't hit European football but if we still get those injuries and there's all sorts going on, then I think there will be a lot, a lot of pressure on Eddie Howe at that stage. You probably are starting to think, well, how long is this going to go on for? But for now, until the end of the season, unless something drastically goes wrong, uh, Eddie Howe is fine. And I'll back him as a manager still. Um, there are a few factors that have been beyond his control this year. I think you're on a short aware of that. So to answer your question there, is his job at risk now? Kind of. Uh, he's, he's still fighting for next season, I think. Interesting. Um, boys, I'll come to you. We've talked about it a lot. You know this, but uh, obviously to share your opinions alongside the the, the panel as well. Um, is Eddie Howe's job at risk if we don't get anywhere in the top seven, Daz? Um, I'm looking forward to Chris's answer here, actually, from what we've discussed <laughs> as well, right through, right through the, the January window. But... Um, uh, no, it's not a risk, but he's he's used up all his credit. Then I'm afraid, and with with uh, we'll really see what um, 
what uh, our our owners, our majority owners in PIF um, are like then as well. Uh, so um, I think he, it it'll be it'll be interesting. Let's hope it, it he, he he let's hope he does get Europe and we don't have to worry about it. But it, it uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And though those first uh, ten games at the start of next season, if we didn't get Europe, uh, if we weren't in a, a great position, then I think then it's big danger then. Chris, you've uh, you've you've not held back uh, in recent weeks. Talk to us, mate. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think Eddie Howe's job is under risk from European football. Um, you you boys know my opinion on it. In that you know the, the, we've got a unique ownership, and we're we're the ownership are here to win. And Eddie Howe, I love Eddie Howe, and I'm not calling for Eddie Howe's head by any stretch. But I think Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe will be feeling the pressure right now. Um, if we don't finish in Europe, like Alex, I will be shocked because I look at the teams above us and I look at the the points that we are from from fifth, and it's it's entirely achievable for us to still finish in Europe this season. I think it helps Eddie Howe if we finish in Europe this season. But what I will say, uh, without going too much into it. I will say that at the start of the transfer window, I did say it would be interesting to see if the owners backed Eddie Howe because Eddie Howe needed backing during that transfer window, in my opinion, and he wasn't. And that that kind of raised eyebrows for me because I, I do believe that something could have been done to help him and it wasn't. Um, people, <laughs> people don't share the same opinion as me as X-proved. Um, but <laughs> for, me, for me, you know, that, 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 was, that was a big thing. Now, if Eddie Howe goes and finishes fifth, sixth, maybe, maybe you know, maybe he will get the start of next season. And you know, with all the players back, as Adam rightly said, with the with the players coming back and Tenali being back and Joe Linton being back, etc. Um, Eddie Howe, and I hope he is given the opportunity to really have a crack, a good crack at it next season. Um, but it does it does worry me a bit that he he wasn't backed in any way, shape, or form. And I don't mean go and buy a 50, 60 million pound player in the January window because that would have been difficult. But I was meaning, you know, like a loan deal or an, an option, a loan with an option deal or some just something to help him with this squad because up until, well, up until maybe March, I don't think that the squad's going to be in a position where it's going to be able to challenge on all fronts. And then seeing the likes of Alexander Izak then pulling up, um, it, it just worries me because I just think we're one or two injuries away again from really, really struggling. And the players are just like being driven into the ground. And I do feel sorry for them. And I do feel sorry for Eddie Howe. I just wanted Eddie Howe to be backed and he wasn't. And I it just left me wondering why wasn't Eddie Howe backed? So I do think his job's at risk. Um, but I, I wish him all the best. And I do hope that Eddie Howe, you know, is still Newcastle United manager. I don't want him to leave. But I, I think with this ownership and where we want to go as a club, I think any any whether it's Eddie Howe or even a new manager, yeah. I think <laughs> I think anybody would be under pressure because the PIF, uh, the Rubens, well, they're all here to win. That that's why that's why they've bought the football club. They want to be number one. And um, if if we were to finish below seventh and not be in European football next season, yes, there's been bad injuries, but I do think the finger will get pointed. Mm, uh, you you boys know how much I love Eddie Howe. Um, but I, for me, I think his job is at risk, not necessarily for the position that he finishes in, in the Premier League. For me, I think his job might be at risk for the decisions that he's making in game. 
that are affecting the results of Newcastle United. And that's my honest opinion. I think for all the points that you boys have made, and I think you, all of you individually have mentioned the injuries, okay, the schedule, uh, all those things, I think, will <coughs> fall into Eddie Howe's favour if he's arguing for his position. And I think they'll hold their hands up and say, you know what, it's a, such a unique season for injuries and the, and the situation that we've been in, we'll give you that one. But what about you, your choices on 60, 70 minutes with regards to your substitutions? Making your substitutions far too late, not making them at all in some cases. Um, and I think some of those things, uh, for me, are very much a, a, of a naive manager. Um, and I hate saying that about Eddie Howe, but there's an element of naivety about his managerial um, skills that he's proven, certainly in the last six to eight weeks. Um, that I think he could have navigated through better. For me, uh, and he didn't have the worst game in the world, I'll go all the way back to Luton at Kenworth Road. Um, Kieran Trippier shouldn't have started that game. Um, Tino Livermento should have started. Um, and I think having that, having making that decision, I think maybe it was gone against him. He didn't, he wasn't in, in result of those goals, but I think confidence levels for someone like Tina Livramento, changing the team around, making a bold statement, changes the mindset of the team, which takes the game in a completely different direction. Um, there are other decisions. You can go back to the start of the season. Liverpool, I still, I'm still pissed off about it now. We should have won that game at St. James's Park. And the decision to take Sandro Tonali off at that point, when he was arguably one of the best players on the pitch and absolutely dominating that midfield, like his comeback to biters in the backside. Um, and Gordon. Um, Gordon as well, sorry. Uh, you're absolutely right. Who was absolutely destroying Trent Alexander-Arnold. He was going at him, going at him. They may have been tired. Lads, it was like the third game of the season. Like, they can get by. You know what I mean? Like, the Champions League hadn't even kicked in at that point. Let them play. If they're destroying a player and that player is getting pummeled into the ground, let them keep doing it. As long as it gets us the result. And it's, it's decisions like that that wound me up. It's almost like it was programmed, pre-programmed. 60 minutes, get him off, put the other player on. 70 minutes, get him off, get the player on. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that in that situation. And it started right from the beginning of the season. And I just think some decisions he's made, not all, some uh, have really gone against him, certainly in recent weeks. Um, and this is not about bashing Eddie Howe. There's lots of what he's done that's really good. The PSG game, various other games as well. The Villa game in particular was where I saw growth in his game. And Daz, we were talking about it on, in our chat, making the right subs at the right time to yeah. win us the game. We need to see more of that. And we need yeah. to see more of that between now and the end of the season to give us the confidence and the club and the owners that he can continue to do this, this job moving forward. And we can trust that he'll make the right decisions. Um, but that's just kind of my opinion there to add to that. Um, but yeah, um, again, another conversation regarding Eddie Howe that we can definitely come back to in a few weeks as we observe what these boys put together. But I know there's some questions in the chat that we do want to get oh, yes. to wrap up. Yeah, let, let's fly through them. Um, just uh, the, on the poll, I checked in with Lisa earlier. I could have changed since, but 93% of that at that time, about 20 minutes ago or so, wanted Livermento to start on the, the left. So interesting uh, choice there. I think we were probably all nearly in agreement on that. Anyone disagree with that, actually? No. 
Okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> let's go to a question from Stu Amos. Do you think we're uh, we're regretting the whole signing? If you could send him back after his after this loan and spend the thirty million elsewhere, would you? Great question. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir, Malik. Yeah. We, we, we want no players, and he still can't get a game. Like he might be class in the future, but how's comments about him in press conferences saying like it's over to Lewis to get into the team is? Yeah. It's a killer. It's a total killer for transfer wise. Yeah, I think he probably thought he was going to push on um, because I know he was starting a lot of the games at the end of the season for Chelsea. Um, we were over for Dortmund away and your man, Adi Amy, I think for Dortmund, had a field day against Hall. Field day. And ever since then, it was just... Hello? We lost oh, I think, yeah, I think oh. his internet's gone. He was in full flow days, well, bless him. <laughs> um, but Adam, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I get that impression as well because you got to think, Robert. Newcastle's had all these injuries. We got a game. We just talked about there. Dan Burns had a proud game, and he got a different left back in, and he still won't play Lewis Hall. So you think, well, why is he not playing Lewis Hall? We just signed him, but um, it does depend on the actual obligations. His contract. I'm assuming it's going to be a PR into his uh, minutes. How it's going to work in terms of Newcastle actually having to buy um, Lewis Hall, but. I mean, £30 million is a lot of money for someone his age. It's a lot of money, especially when, again, he's barely played. You can put that money out as well. We've got so many different areas of the pitch up. We need to get some depth and all, get somebody starting in. So uh, when you look at a sign like Lewis Hall, especially when you see Tina Livermento as well, who's, who's playing off his skin and you see Lewis Hall like, not getting involved, you've got to, you got to look quick and go, well, actually, well, we've got to put this money elsewhere. So... I think, yes, we are regretting the money. Um, I, I assume we're not playing him because of that contract, so there's that possibility that you can just send him back to Chelsea. You don't have to buy him at the end of the season, which is, I'm assuming, why we're not playing him. But uh, 100%, yes, I think we are regretting it. Mm. Uh, there was a comment here from um, Ronald Wood. Interesting. Hall is not to blame, it's Tonali. Interesting to know your thoughts. Uh, Ronald, oh, yeah. as to why it's Tonali and, and not Hall. Um, but yeah, no, interesting. Sorry, Daz. I blame Hall every day myself as well. I never blame... Uh, oh, sorry, it's Lewis Hall. It's the other Hall I blame uh, for everything. Um, sorry, so you want my, my thoughts on, on uh, Lewis Hall? Um, yes, I'd, I'd, I would uh, send him back. But I think he can come good. And if we did end up sending him back... Don't you know he'd, he'd be like a world superstar? Uh, it'd be our look. Uh, it'd be like what, what happened uh, Chelsea. Uh, they, they, they send off all like De Bruyne and, and uh, Salah and so on. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not going to be too disappointed if we, uh, that, that we, we, can't, we can't send him back because I think he will come good eventually. What are the questions we got? Okay. Um, let's go... Okay, there was one here I wanted to go for. Yeah, here's it. It basically was a talking about if we had to sell one of our, our, yeah, here it is, from Dave Bullman. If you had to sell one of our star players to help create a squad, uh, who would you sacrifice from Bruno, Isaac, Botman, or Joe Linton? Tough one here. Mm. No one's, no one's uh, going for this one. <laughs> well, 
if you're if you're looking at it from a logical point of view, and obviously we're screaming out for a six and kind of different things and FFP. For me, I think Bruno is probably our next sellable asset, but I think it's a sellable asset that we can replace with two or three players within the squad, and this is including Tonali coming back. Um, Isaac is too important, Botman is too important. I think Jalinton, you can kind of see the difference when he's not in the squad. Bruno is holding things together, but still, in my in my opinion, I think would be able to replace Bruno with people around, i.e. left, centre, mid, CDM, etc., but I'd still love to keep Bruno. But for me, it'd probably be Bruno with the view of kind of replacing with different types of midfielders that would help that midfield be stronger, especially when Bruno's going from six to ten, six to eight, and this gap's appearing. Um, but that's just my thoughts. Well, I think out of the four players you got available there, I think every single person is not going to say Isak or Botman. So at that point, you got to look at either Jordan or Bruno. And when you look at the two midfielders, uh, Bruno's got much higher value than Jordan. Bruno's already been looked at by the likes of Real Madrid last season. He got looked at, uh, we're going to go off the rumours, the likes of PSG in the January transfer window. Uh, he's someone that already has a release clause in his contract. So any team, logically, if they look at someone like Bruno, actually, well, they don't mind overpaying him, but they just don't, I think it's around 100 million euros or something like that, maybe a little bit more, uh, to get a player like Bruno in. It's tricky because you don't want any of your players to go. But on the FFP, the players' sales are completely just shackled to the floor. Someone's going to have to go eventually. And I think Jordan's the sort of player that I would love to see just play his entire career at Newcastle. He's class, gives 100%. And he's, he's growth during his time at Newcastle. You wouldn't have imagined it, would you, when he first came in, uh, being able to transition completely into a midfielder and actually be one of the one of the best midfielders you've seen in a long time as well. It's incredible and I want to see more from him. He's in, you're already seeing the team now, how much we're missing him. You wouldn't want to say yes to any of them, but out of the four, I think Bruno is probably the only logical answer because he's going to get the, the most amount of money for him, which means you are able to buy more players. He's going to help in FFP and he's the player that has the highest value as well. I mean, our teams are going to want them. If we keep them in the summer, it's just going to happen again next window, next window. More teams are going to come in for him. It's, it's a tricky one. It's always going to be hard to keep a hold of. So I think I would say Bruno if I had to pick any of them. I'm just looking forward to the the Adam P jersey number reveals if it, when we do uh, have loads of money that we can spend. Uh, so no, no. <laughs> I'll always enjoy those ones. For next season, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> quality, quality. I'll, uh, I'll be controversial and say Jolinton because if you think about the direction of the team when Bruno signed for us, he played eight and Shelby played six. So Bruno prefers to play further forward. He plays further forward for Brazil. You're going to play Tonali um, on the other side, maybe left side. And that means does Bruno, does Jolinton get a game? Assuming we sign a, a proper six, which is a big assumption. But if you do sign that player, Jolinton probably doesn't get a game. He's not going to get a game ahead of Gordon at left forward. So, so out of the three of them, you might, you know, you might actually think Jolinton's surplus to requirements. Maybe that's a little bit of this contract stuff as well. Um, obviously, he wants more money, which is fair enough. He's a good player. But does he, you know, does he think, am I, am I long-term definitely going to get a game now? There are a lot of games you 100% want Jolinton in your team. When you're playing against Burnley at home, or teams like that one, you've, you've got to unlock a pass from what Newcastle already bad at last season against like Leicester and Leeds. It was breaking teams down and, and Joe Linton's probably not the man for that. Um, 
maybe Bruno and Tonali playing further forward are, are more suited to it. So, like Adam says, you don't you don't want to sell any of them. Really, <laughs> you want to keep your best players, sell the you know the players who aren't as good, and uh, and and trade from there. But yeah, it does it does feel a lot like Darren Neal's laying the groundwork for a sale of players of the caliber in the question. It's an interesting point you've made about Joe Linton and his contract situation because it it makes me wonder. Is this what Newcastle are anticipating? That Joe Linton is not going to be the regular player in the team, the starting eleven that we expect him to be. Now, lots of Newcastle fans say he's so important to our team in the way we play. And he is. You are absolutely right, those that say that. He is integral to how we play now. But in the summer, if you're replacing Dan Byrne with a brand new left-back, if you are bringing Sandro Tonali back in, as Alex said, to play left-hand side of midfield, we play Willock and we play Joe Linton because they've got the pace to cover Dan mm. Byrne. If you no longer have to cover Dan Byrne at left back and you've got a proper left left winger that comes left back, sorry, that comes in, that's got the pace, that's got the defensive nous to manage his role, do you really need that additional Joe Linton? in the team or are you now looking at a player that's technically very very good on the ball that has the pace and recovery as Tonali can and that can dictate the play and cause problems the other end like Tonali has proven at AC Milan getting the semi-finals of the Champions League with them and being an integral part of the team um that's without even considering the fact that we can add another midfielder to that in the summer which I believe we will and so you're then looking in the summer a completely different Newcastle United team and you look at a different scenario there and that's a scenario that might not necessarily need a Joe Linton in that team now am I selling him no I'm not I'd want him as part of the squad he can play on that left hand side as cover he can play on the left wing as cover we know what he did last season I personally still agree and I still back my opinion that he played better last season on the left-hand side of front three as he than he did in a midfield three. And I back that 100%. And I actually think Anthony Gordon coming in and playing as well as he did has actually hampered Joe Linton's development because we're assessing him and thinking he's been amazing last season. He's coming in, he's going to do exactly the same, but he doesn't do the same in a midfield three as he does on the left. He was a replacement for Alan St. Maximin and did exceptionally well. And I just think it, maybe Newcastle are thinking, do we want to give him 150 grand a week if he's going to be playing as a squad player? And if that's the case, I'm not against the ownership in making that decision in standing their ground. And it's whether Joe Linton values the club and loves the club enough to stay with us or he goes actually you know what I want to play regular football I want to keep getting into the Brazilian squad I need to go and play regular football and I agree I think that might well be the move that Newcastle United make if they're going to sell an established first team player but Daz Chris I'm not sure what your your opinions are on that <clears throat> I'm just going to put my 50 pence in I'm just going to move on to the next question Chris do you want to read your <laughs> comments, <laughs> comments? Do it. I'm going to ignore the question. The I'm, not, I'm not selling any of them. None of them are gone. <laughs> yeah, go to the next one, mate. Go to the next one. 
Go on to the next one. Right, we're sticking with the midfield. Uh, this one from, from Lisa. She asked a question. A question for the panel. Are you worried about our midfield, especially with Bruno one card away from a bat? And he's been so good to not get that card as well. Uh, holding back, especially against <coughs> Villa. Who's worried? I am. I'm worried. But I've been worried for weeks. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's, it's sorry. Go on, Tim. Oh no, sorry, Alex, you go. Oh, very kind. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Newcastle's midfield has just been an absolute car crash for today. Just now, uh, you know, we went through that spell where teams could just kind of walk, walk through us. Mm. Bruno on the other card, he can't put a tackle in. We'll go to Aston Villa, and it's almost like at Villa we, we had such an attacking threat that it negated that midfield problem that we had and also i felt like miley and longstaff in particular in that game really got into villa and then didn't do it against luton and if bruno disappears then you're you're really you're looking at a formation change maybe going to five at the back um and playing two midfield midfielders and miley and longstaff or maybe you're looking at lewis hall or someone like that getting a game but if if bruno is out and it's and you have to throw another teenager in there or you have to risk Joe Willock's comeback by the, how many mm. times have we seen it this season coming in not coming off the bench but starting a game immediately playing 90 minutes immediately and risking further injury I think Bruno's done so well he has done so well to um to not get that yellow card and he's got a long way to go as well there's it, I think it's um yeah. 32 or 33 games he's got to get to when he played 23 um so it's it's a complete the, the midfield this season is just a complete disaster and like one of you said earlier probably possibly you Adam the Tonali thing has just killed the season it it really has it has killed the season but also I, I go back to that January 23 window when he, he loses Chris Wood and I know this guy's career hasn't exactly gone from strength to strength still but he didn't want to lose John Joe Shelby Eddie Howe accepted those deals to get Anthony Gordon it was a trade he didn't want to make so whilst we're looking at this window and talking about player training, Eddie Howe was dealing with this a year ago. And for whatever you think of John Joe Shelvin's flaws, I guarantee you one thing, he ain't netting Ross Barton waltz around that midfield without getting kicked on, on Saturday. <laughs> um, so they've just got the recruitment wrong in midfield. Like you said, Pete, Joe Linton didn't play most of his football in midfield last season. And that he's been kind of pushed back this season. He's missed a lot of games. It, it feels really bad to not bring a midfielder in a, in some form in January because if Bruno's out for two games it's it's and he's a world-class footballer essentially or close to it what and when we look shot shot in midfield what's it going to look without him for two games I, I, Lisa asked the question Lisa um worried is an understatement <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think yeah I think we're very porous in midfield but if you think about it in December as well everybody was kind of saying right we'll get to January we're, we'll struggle in December get to January we'll get Phillips on loan and what happened in January the accounts were released Darren Neal did his interview and the whole plan changed you know so obviously there was kind of noise about Trippier going and other players kind of going and leaving etc but it seems like we've literally forgot about the problem saying oh we need CDM actually no we need to sell everyone actually we're not going to do that but we actually forgot about problem one which was we need a CDM so regardless to trade to buy to, to sell to buy etc we needed to get a loan of any player in terms of a caliber to sit as a six or just another body. That's what I was kind of liking when we were linked to Onana because I was kind of thinking, even though we probably couldn't afford him, that's probably another body that we could play. 
because now we're playing in terms of the three players that we have and we have a load of midfielders injured and it's really weird that all the injuries are mainly in one section of the field it's midfield which is really rare to have you know so the problem is Bruno will get injured we'll try rush back Anderson we'll try rush back Willock and the exact same thing is going to happen again so it comes down to January and I think Chris you said it about being a bit suspect that Eddie wasn't backed in January and that's something that to keep an eye on because really and truly like the way we were screaming people were screaming in the stadium for Dan Bird to come off for Luton people were screaming in January to get a six and it went from Phillips interview trade and sell Bayern Munich da, da, da. but it's like we forgot the six problem you know like where did that go do you know because I don't know we'll see like the likes of Longstaff and Miley they're fantastic but I do agree with Alex in terms of Miley won't put in the tackle now bear in mind he put in the tackle for the Barnes goal which is fantastic but in general he won't put in the tackle so but is that his fault or is that his fault because it's the development of a 17 year old who should be finding his way in the team playing here games here and then coming on where we're playing him like he's a 20 like Steven Gerrard in his prime in terms of the actual game and game 90 minutes etc so yeah. it's just a bizarre season but I still think we probably should have got a midfielder yeah. In and this yeah, is the, this is the problem because um oh sorry sorry you, you sorry. <laughs> no it's sorry, sorry go on mate go on mate yeah it's I mean you all hit it nail on the head really I'm extremely worried about the midfield the the, the brutal two game suspension is the big one uh, after that as you just said it's long stuff on Mario it's, it's a young style and again a local lad which is good but it's also good because he has good midfielders alongside him. It's 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 a tricky ask for where the club is now. It's not just the midfielders where you got to remember to brag get injury. You start a third choice goalkeeper, Wilson injury. You have zero strikers. We've still got so many problems in the midfielder and the attacking everywhere. Really. We're starting to get the out wide players back now, which is good. But it's it's just been a nightmare this season. The amount of injuries we've had. It's oh god, I'm, I'm feeling just thinking about it now, but. Yeah, that's what I quickly want to address, really. It's not even just the midfield as well. He's still got a couple of areas of the pitch that are a nightmare as well. But I'm hoping Bruno stays his best behaviour. We'll get the likes of Willick Anderson back shortly. But yeah, it's it's been a disaster, hasn't it? Definitely. Um, Chris, I think you want to get in. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I was I was just gonna I was just gonna say this is this is this was my concern, you know, about the January transfer window. And I know a lot of people were saying, uh, oh, you know, we, we can't buy anyone, we've got no money and FFP and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But like I said to you boys before, we've known about these injuries since October, November. And if that's the case and we couldn't bring anyone in or the budgets were incredibly tight, we all know that we need to trade, but we've known we needed to trade since the back end of last year. And that's why I was so disappointed because it's abundantly obvious to me, even more so now, um, that we were in desperate need of a of central midfielder. And if and when, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if and when Bruno is out, we are really going to be on the bare bones. Alex is talking about changing formation. A few people in the chat are talking about, you know, Joe White, who's come back in from loan. Um, and this is the this is the frustration thing. This is the, the this is where my anger came from the other week because there's a great opportunity for us to still have a, a promising start, to, or sorry, a promising end to the season. And if we'd have brought in one or two new recruits in January just to help Eddie Howe out and just to kind of fill those numbers up, we, there was a really good opportunity for us to have a really strong start, or sorry, I keep saying start, a strong end to the season. 
Um, and I'm just worried. I, I hope we do have a strong end to the season, but I just worry that we are, again, one or two injuries away from potentially falling away and, you know, potentially missing out on that top seven when it's it's there for the taking. It's it's there right now. Alex mentioned before, Man United, Brighton, West Ham. They, they, we, on our day, we could we could finish above those teams. Um, and, you know, even fifth, fifth spot, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, fifth spot for me isn't completely ruled out. But these injuries are absolutely killing us at the moment. And if we brought in one or two new players by however means possible, I think we should have done that. And the fact that we haven't, I hope it doesn't come to bite us on the bomb, but it feels like we're around the corner from that. Thought you were saying top four until the, the Luton game, Chris. Yeah, you, you were definitely weren't giving up. Uh, okay, last question for for end. Uh, I'll, I have an answer here I want to give first, and then we will go to the guests. But uh, this is a great question. Well, actually, Stu has some great questions in the chat tonight, but this one is uh, interesting, especially with the podcasters on, including ourselves. If you could choose to have one guest from the current Newcastle squad, coaching staff, ownership on your uh, podcast, YouTube channel, etc., who would you choose? My answer here, and lads, say nothing, is... I'm, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, it happens. Say nothing for now. Uh, Tevin, we'll go to you first. Who would you have on Irish Mags? I think it'd be, I'd probably take a detour and probably be a documentary. It'd have to be Graham Jones. It should be ha- just a day to day in terms of week on week, in terms of the life of Graham Jones as kind of. Um, coach as Newcastle United just even a pre-season and seeing him away for guns he just seems like he's just having a jolly like he's just having a great time you know and I'm here for people having a great time you know even for the types like I've never we, we see everybody stressed you see everybody in terms of injuries etc Graham Jones just seems like he's having a dollar you just seems like yeah this is just with the lads pictures of him Saudi Arabia with glass etc I just yeah just uh how's it going Graham how's it getting on not even about the results or anything just about him you know and his experience um and then in terms of the actual squad um I'll, obviously the Irish Mags now probably Willock's my favorite player so I'd like to I'd love to just chat to Willock um I think he's just a cool dude <laughs> cool chap cool. um Good but enough. yeah probably Graham Jones or Willock Alex, let's go to you for the same question. Yeah, it's an easy answer for me, Mad Dog Tyndall. I think if um, <laughs> if you got Eddie Howe on, he, he would just be Eddie Howe. He would just be polite and nice, and but you wouldn't get anything. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't you wouldn't get any dirt. You wouldn't get any stories. I think if um, if Tyndall came on, you could probably just after a couple of minutes get him talking about who he hates, who he wants. To beat who who he enjoys winding up is like his favourite shit housery moments and all that. Plus, obviously, a very knowledgeable guy about football. I just feel like he would be way more. I don't think he's got it in him to be like to play the like politics that that how does. Um, so I think like in terms of entertainment, but I think just in terms of getting like interesting info, I, yeah, I'd go for the for the number two. You could tell in his interview, um, his press conference, that he was holding back. It, it, it was the fake. It was the fake mad dog in that press conference the other day. Like you could tell, he's a completely different character when he's uh, around the boys. Uh, no PR sure. training at all, that man. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, who would who would you have on uh, on your channel? Going on a, a way days trip, even with you. <laughs> Well, um, it's a bit of a boring answer, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to see Amanda's theory. But unlike, I guess, our interviews, it's safe from the cast layer, the ones that she does in online. I think 
one thing I probably change is the type of questions you're asking us. You ask a more harder question. So uh, let's say, for example, obviously we look at the transfer window. Why were we not back? The, the sort of questions where you just ask around and you you proper try and get the dirt over. That's just the sort of thing I think will be very fascinating to hear about now. Uh, I remember towards the start of the season when Newcastle had like a the decision go against them or there was something bad in the game. You, you just want to ask you ownership or well, what are you doing about it? Is there someone going on with the Premier League? It's just the sort of thing where um, I, I reckon if you ask all the nitty gritty questions and she was able just to tell you like everything in zero, I just think it would be very fascinating. I'm also someone as well that just loves a good motivator. I like to down you also just talk so well about Newcastle now. Uh, they're just the sort of people want to hear from when you know you've had a a bit of a negative time in the club. We want that motive here. You want that reason that, you know, a person's going to tell you, well, uh, next season we're trying to do this. This is our plan for the next five years. Yeah, things haven't went well now, but we're going to get this player, but we're going to get this going in the summer. It's just the sort of thing where uh, I can give you a boring answer all day long, but I think I'm understanding, but if you were able to ask any question you want, I think it would be very fascinating. I can see that happening, and I would watch that. Definitely, yeah. Adam. Um, Pete, who would you pick? Um, I like to get two gamers uh, response. He said, "I'd have the medical team as I know that's <laughs> why there's been so many, <laughs> why there was so many injuries." I love that one. That's great. But you know what? I, I would have gone for Amanda Staley just because I think, like, once she's settled in, she'll tell you anything you want to know. I she already did on Sky when before I got the takeover. She was like, "We're going to win the league. We're going to win the Champions League." She was literally telling them the lot. Um, however, uh, as a player, I probably go for a player, and I would probably go for Callum Wilson. And the reason being is the guy's just a joker, and I just want to have a laugh with him. Uh, have a laugh and a joke, um, and it, it, it'd probably tell you a few stories. Um, but yeah, just uh, I like his personality. Just he's, he's the kind of guy I probably have a, have a have a really good chat with. So I'd go with Callum Wilson. Chris, I probably won't have time to get the picture uploaded. Hang on, give us a second. I'm going to ask you the same question, Chris. And would it be this man, Neville Southall? <laughs> <laughs> it's been ages since we spoke about Neville Southall. At least one show. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got two, but for different reasons. But I'll go through them dead quick. So I pick Anthony Gordon just just for the you know to speak to another scouser and just for the absolute fume because I'd get him to say how much he loves Newcastle and just to wind up all my blue mates. So I would pick Anthony Gordon. But then on the other hand, I would love to sit down with Fabian Shaw because I think he's just a cool guy, and I'd love to recreate the celebration with him. I just I just honestly I just love it. I think Fabian Shaw is a really a really cool guy, and he's very he's a very like straight talker. I think you'd probably get a lot of a lot of truth out of him as well. So yeah, either Gordon or Shah or both if I could. And Jorlisa is actually on a date with Alison Maximum. She's going to have her wish as well. Well, uh, that's the end of the questions, Pete. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know we kept you boys on for a little bit longer. I re- apologise for that, but it's been a fantastic chat. Um, thank you to everyone in the chat as well for your questions. Really great questions and, and comments throughout the show. Um, Lads on the panel, Adam, Alex, Tevin, um, absolute pleasure to have you on. I hope you've enjoyed the, the chat and some of the questions. We didn't even get through any of uh, all of the key topics, so there's a lot more to discuss. And, and look, I hope you're um, potentially available to, to, to come back on and, and talk to us again in the future. Yeah, of course. Brilliant. Fantastic stuff.
Yeah, spot on. Um, that's uh, take us home. Uh, uh, we're out of here. We're out of here. And just to remind people what's happening to, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow is Thursday. It's a win is tune on tour with Mr. Door on tour. Yeah, he, he was he was going to be ready to uh, throw Chris Wood in our faces, but I don't think he will now. Now there he's missing for the next eight games. Uh, but yeah, good to talk to him. Uh, preview the game, get Forest thoughts and on how they're going to set up um, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Massive, massive game. So should be a really good chat. Um, Ben's a Ben's a great uh, great guest on the show. And also over the weekend as well, we will be back with the the, the loaded reaction on uh, the talking everything about the game. Hopefully, celebrating a victory. Uh, so yes, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Just also a quick shout out to our sponsors in H2O Bathroom Design Co. Uh, you know already all about the fabulous bathrooms that the guys have there. So go check that out. Check out the, the website. Also shout out to theradiatorshed.com and now Russ. And the lads there, uh, check out those radiators. That's it. Thanks again to the lads for coming on. Uh, we'll see you all pretty soon. And I guess it's in an honor of Eddie Howitz. How'd you like that? Good night, everyone. Take care.